If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Tyler Nixon on today's News Talk TNT. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Tyler Nixon Show for Wednesday, February 7th, 2024, here on today's News Talk, where we light the fuse for freedom. Uh, I'll tell you what, Twitter, the Twitterverse, the Xverse, whatever you want to call it, is exploding over this uh, this Tucker Carlson interview of Vladimir Putin. Uh, it is an amazing outpouring, I guess you could say. And I think it really reflects that the uh, deep state, the controllers, the censors are on the ropes. Uh, they're beside themselves. Tucker Carlson represents someone who is an independent journalist, unlike we've seen, uh, unlike we see in any of the major uh, major news outlets these days. And he has taken it upon himself with his own independent uh, network that he's setting up, his own independent outlet uh, at TuckerCarlson.com to uh, go and interview Vladimir Putin in Russia. And I tell you what, they're having kittens all over uh, all over the military industrial complex, all over the Ukraine war uh, peddler sort of uh, set. And in Congress, uh, there's talk in european circles of sanctioning him of uh jailing him and all sort all manner of authoritarian garbage that i would think the united states would be battling against instead of uh instead of uh, being on the on the uh uh the side of or or promoting frankly through uh, vladimir Zelensky. um there's even talk uh, infowars was reporting earlier that Tucker has been added to the Ukrainian so-called kill list. Now, the fact that the United States of America supports a regime that has even has a kill list, uh, much less uh, one that's not just a complete banana dictatorship in, in a third world country, is reprehensible. And I just find it amazing that they this is such a this whole issue, frankly, brings out the reality that they cannot abide the truth. And this is a real problem because they have the levers of control uh, in many cases, with the exception of X. Thank you, Elon Musk, who has freed up the conversation, the discourse there, and it's as lively as ever. But otherwise, if you're not on board with the Ukraine forever, uh, defeat Russia, you know, war with Russia, whatever have you. Uh, let's expand NATO till Vladimir Putin is threatening uh, the use of nukes. Uh, if you're not on, in that set, then you're you're suppressed, you're censored, you're shouted down. And it's really it's it it shocks me because I think the people who are uh, who who don't join that it's not it's not that people who uh, support Russia, which of course, if you don't 100% go all in for Ukraine without question, if you're not part of the cult. Then it's like you're an apostate. It's it's as though, uh, you know, you're 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 absolutely in in Vladimir Putin's pocket, as uh, Tucker has been accused was accused on his own show by no less than Adam Schiff of being a uh, uh, tool of Putin or a, a stooge for Putin in, in the Russian state, and it's just ludicrous beyond belief that these people think they can get away with uh, mere, uh, shouting people down and ascribing them with uh, treacherous or traitorous. Uh, motives just for questioning, just for asking questions and wanting to hear the other side of the equation. Um, you know, we really are. They, they, 
I don't know if it's the vac uh, the the uh, sort of vacuum of uh, common sense at the top, or they're just so bought into this cult. And it really it, it's not even a matter of the people in power. Uh, you go through you go through X Twitter and you look at the tweets from some of these uh, the, the posts from some of these uh, so-called journalists. Uh, I, there was one example I, I looked at where uh, this this person was an editor at Condonast and has a pretty you know substantial following. Nothing nothing huge, but and he and he referred to General Flynn, who merely mentioned General Mike Flynn, who merely mentioned Tucker's interview uh, and and the fact that we just want to hear both sides and we want to have the Russians have the ability to get their uh, their their perspective on the record. And he, uh, this uh, this pustule, frankly, this leftist uh, zealot who uh, works for a major publisher called a Moscow Mike. And I, I find that disgusting. I mean, this is just such a such a reprehensible defamation. I mean, General Flynn is is uh, who I know personally has allegiance to one country in this on this planet, and it's the United States. And he's never wavered from that. He's put his ass on the line uh, in the Middle East and in conflicts. Uh, he has fought the uh, the corrupt military industrial complex bureaucracy. He was persecuted for years after being set up by crooked FBI agents and crooked uh, uh, Justice Department prosecutors and crooked members of uh, leftover members from the Obama administration, the Bush administration. And to call him Moscow Mike is just, I mean, it's the cheapest form of slander uh, that I could libel in this case. It's written as I can imagine. So I'm, I think the world is really anticipating what uh, what Tucker's going to elicit from Vladimir Putin. And, and in a way, Tucker's going over there establishes the diplomatic link in a sense that the United States government has so badly failed the, uh, our country in establishing and putting forth in order to try to step down uh, tensions that are happening in, in the middle of a war. We're shuttling 200, 150, 200 billion dollars uh, of blood and treasure. Well, treasure at this point, who knows if we'll come to blood uh, to this to this criminal regime that's been set up the, uh, that, that was essentially installed uh, through a soft coup that was uh, perpetrated by Victoria Newland in the Obama administration in the early uh, 20 teens. And the fact that they uh, expect us all to be on board with pushing Putin to the point of lashing out and escalating uh, without any sort of attempts, I mean, vilifying this state to where they're alienated, they're isolated from us and driving them into the arms of the communist Chinese, which is exactly what every foreign policy, uh, uh, I would say, expert or uh sage, whatever you want to call them, the wise men has always said that's the last thing we want is for Russia and China to be in bed together, to be allied against us. And we see the results of this with the BRICS alliance forming uh, this this government right now. And, and frankly, the past 20 years of it from the Bush administration, George H.W. Bush, uh, all the way through uh, up until the, the moment Donald uh, J. Trump took the off, oath of office has been hell bent on absolutely squandering any sort of goodwill that the United States had garnered coming out of World War II, having defeated uh, the forces of tyranny and unfortunately ceded most of Eastern or half of Eastern Europe or most of Eastern Europe, uh, but half of Europe to a uh, the Soviet communist regime, which was uh, held those people in a uh, the entire countries in their death grip for upwards of four decades. And we had credibility. We were a leader in the world. We had uh, people like John F. Kennedy, Ronald Reagan, who had who had inspired 
uh, uh, Europeans and people around the world to want to look to our country as a beacon of freedom. Thanks to the CIA, thanks to uh, all the skullduggery and scumbaggery of people like the Clintons with their Clinton Foundation, the Clinton uh, basically slush fund is what it is, um, as well as, frankly, Obama and Biden being the worst of all. I mean, this man thought he was a far thought himself, fashioned himself a foreign policy expert. Uh, as early as the 1980s and the late 70s, and has been wrong on every single issue you can think of, uh, has been absolutely, completely dunderheaded. I mean, his his proposals have often been inexplicably whacked. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. Uh, such, such as partitioning Iraq into different, uh, you know, breaking up Iraq into different countries, as if that's going to uh, somehow uh, establish a, a greater peace in that in that region. Um, you know, he he was uh, very much like Kerry. He was for the war before he posed the war, whatever, whatever have you. And then, of course, the Afghanistan uh, totally botched withdrawal, which was on a timeline not to just get out of there uh, because they wanted to get out of there. It was because they needed to ramp up the Ukrainian uh, the war, the, the Ukraine uh, enterprise, the latest military industrial or uh, militarist uh, misadventure that they ha- they're dragging our country into. So now you see. Tucker Carlson taking the extraordinary step of going directly to the source. And you have to you have to admire the respect that Tucker has garnered in the world as a journalist and as a legitimate fair broker, uh, just with the fact that Putin would even sit down with him. Uh, and I am curious. I will be very curious to see they, they're going. They're literally having kittens over this interview. And to the point where, as again, I said, uh, Infowars reporting that uh, Tucker's now on the kill list and, you know, there's fear of his assassination. And I'm going to tell you what, this country would explode if anything happened, if they lay a, a, a finger uh, on the, if it, a hair on his head is mussed up uh, because he is probably really on, on, on the order of one, the great journalists of all time. I think uh, he will, he will go down to history in the annals, maybe not in the establishment's view. He won't win Pulitzers and, and the sort of uh, the garbage that they hand out that has been totally cheapened. And because you're an establishment hagiographer, because you tout the party cult line and and are willing to basically get along uh, to, to simply spout whatever you're fed. Um, you know, journalism is dead. I, Sean Hannity likes to say that on his show and it very much is, but I think, uh, it's uh, it can rise from the grave through people like <laughs> Tucker Carlson, who have kept it alive, uh, even though it's been battered and beaten. And I, I would I have to say the Murdoch's uh, the Murdoch's really, really uh, screwed up. I don't think uh, I don't think that making Tucker Carlson the most famous and uh, influential journalist on the entire planet was what they had in mind when they uh, dumped him over the side of the uh, the Fox News uh, ship and canceled what it was the most uh, popular cable news show uh, in history and certainly at the time. And uh, I think they'll come to rue that day and they should because uh, let's face it, the consolidated establishment media is dead and dying uh, and and the people in it are uh, husks of what they once were, many of them who uh, were credible journalists at one time who've sold their souls. And the real news, the the real opinion makers, the real influence comes at networks like this. Uh, today's news talk, which is a rising star in the in the constellation of uh, emerging new platforms for uh, for voices that are telling the truth, and as we like to say here, lighting the fuse for freedom. And on that note, I wanted to remind everybody that uh, 
Julian Assange's, uh, uh, he has a hearing coming up in the uh, UK High Court to determine whether he will be uh, able to be extradited to the United States. That's on the 20th and the 21st. And TNT will have uh, round the clock coverage of that event and as well as uh, interviews and uh, uh, analysis throughout the city of London as that occurs. That is another, I think, major event on the horizon here coming up that is uh, really is going to speak to what what the future character is of the United States um, and whether we can as a uh, whether. Well, let's put it this way, whether the influence of people who are of goodwill, including those here at TNT, can uh, turn around Julian Assange's uh, peril and the, and the uh, horrible situation that he's been put into right now. As I've said before, I think he Assange is a hero. He deserves nothing but accolades. And frankly, the way he's been treated is beyond despicable. And the people responsible for it are criminals and should be held to account. And if this was a just world, they would be the ones behind bars. Uh, and Julian Assange would be a free man. And let's hope that we can see that result uh, very soon, sooner than later. And I think if we uh, if we see Donald J. Trump elected as president uh, this November, which looks like a, a, a real possibility that uh, Assange will once again be a free man. And if he doesn't, Donald Trump uh, will should hang his head in shame and frankly will have been, at least on that issue, uh, uh, have betrayed all uh, many of his supporters and many of his people who, who brought him to where he is. So we have a great guest coming up, uh, a, a good friend of mine and another uh, a thought leader in many ways uh, and someone who's a visionary, uh, a brilliant thinker, a brilliant analyst, he has formed uh, the founder of the Quantum Party. Uh, Austin Steinbart is uh, joining us, and it will be an excellent conversation. So don't go away. You're watching The Tyler Nixon Show on today's News Talk. TNT's Mark Morano. This just in. We have a new way that's proven effective in dealing with climate protesters who deign to block highways, streets, and other public areas. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this appears to be the most effective way. We have a uh, we have a field shot, a correspondent on the scene. Let's go to clip four and take a look at how to deal with climate protesters when they block your way on your morning commute. I don't want to see protests shut down. But obviously, when you're blocking traffic and you're doing that, you need to be dealt with. I thought this was a great vigilante way of dealing with it. Mark Morano on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. The benefits of advertising on today's News Talk TNT Radio should be clear to businesses of any shape or size. It can be accessed anywhere, anytime, by anybody and is the perfect way to build brand awareness and stimulate digital activity. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Even the mighty might not see it coming. It's pre-diabetes, and it captures one in three adults. But you can escape. Take the one-minute pre-diabetes risk test to know where you stand and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. Be your own hero on smartphones everywhere at doihaveprediabetes.org. Listen. Listen up! Now listen, we gotta talk. It's what we do best. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 
Welcome back to the Tyler Nixon Show for this February 7th, 2024. And welcoming to welcoming my guest, uh, Austin Steinbart, uh, who is a visionary, in my opinion, a, uh, a really someone who knows how to cut through the BS and uh, all the fluff and the foof and, and really cut to the chase of what the United States faces right now and what the people of the United States need to do to, to salvage us and to bring us back as the leader in the world uh, for uh, freedom, uh, for popular consensual self-governance through a constitutional order, in our case, a constitutional republic. Um, Austin is, uh, Austin, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, uh, I want to bring you in and let you introduce yourself. And why don't you just give us a quick rundown of your background and uh, whatever, however you want to describe yourself. How's it going, everybody? My name's Austin Steinbart. I'm the founder of the Quantum Party of America, um, essentially a giant grassroots movement and a playbook for how we can get an actual regime change done here in the United States. And when I say regime change, I don't mean a violent, scary thing like what the CIA does in other countries where everything gets destroyed. I mean a clean sweep, uh, a reboot of our government here, right? Our government is kind of like a cell phone that's so bogged down with viruses and spam and porn and all this horrible stuff that we would be better off instead of trying to get get rid of this, uh, we'd be better off just wiping it and restoring it and rebuilding that from scratch. Updating our operating system a little bit. Well said. How bad is the corruption in the United States? How much worse is it than people really know? It's it's fundamentally corrupt at every level from every angle so from foreign policy from these wars and this military uh to the law enforcement right you, we see the law enforcement operating exactly like what they complain happens in russia and china um our banking system's about to collapse our medical establishment is not just incompetent but they're malicious right they're pushing stuff on us that they know is going to be harmful to us um so pretty much from every angle any any angle you want to slice it um we need a new government we need to wipe this one and restore it and have have it be functional and have it be um you know operating under modern standards here i should say responsive how about just true to the constitution now to be clear austin you're not talking about and i and i've i would urge everybody to go what what is the website for the or where can people find out about the quantum party quantumparty.org it's quantumparty.org and it's not an official party it's essentially a matchmaking service and a playbook here <laughs> so that we can bring a bunch of groups together from across the spectrum right the quantum we're trying to make america quantum we're trying to show these lefties that hey we're not trying to go back we're trying to go forward and the quantum you know zero one anywhere between indicates the spectrum so this is a platform that I can go to the most uh, deeply socialist parts of California and I can win with them. And I can go to the most fiercely like anarchist sort of libertarian circles and win with them. Every, so everybody, everybody's interested once they get a chance right. to hear about it. Just to be clear. So, you know, I'm a constitutionalist uh, and so are uh, I'm sure so many of our viewers. You're not advocating uh, when you say to to change the government or to upgrade the government you're not advocating throwing out the constitution you're just simply talking about the the mechanisms the instrumentalities need to be upgraded uh is that that's is that an accurate uh, description of what you're talking about yes i'm i'm talking about like right now our con like we have a beautiful constitution it's a bunch of beautiful like revolutionary ideas in here right for as far as human history goes but right now that constitution doesn't exist at all right and you can go in any court 
And you can see they do not care about that constitution. They have no obligation to follow that constitution. Um, a, a anecdotal example that happens a lot. I was in prison for a while for making YouTube videos, as you're aware. And they can, you have a bedrock constitutional right to a speedy trial, right? It says that in no uncertain terms, right to a speedy trial, and they can just ignore it. And almost nobody gets that right to a speedy trial. So we need, we need when I say update the constitution, I mean, we need some teeth, right? It needs to be right to a speedy trial or case dismissed. Um, yes, we need stuff yes. to add stuff like innocent until proven guilty, right? They teach us that in school as if that's like a hard set thing here. Nowhere in the constitution does it say innocent until proven guilty. So stuff like that, right? Giving our bill of rights a little bit of teeth so that the government actually has to follow it. Um, and then taking these rights, and this is another big part of what my case was showing, taking these rights and extending those to the internet and, and um, cr evolving them for a paradigm of this insane techno world that we're going into here with all these new technologies, right? Where, what's the constitutional position on brain interfacing technologies, right? Those tech companies can steal a thought out of your head. Um, what's their, what's their position on, um, this quantum computing, right? That can crunch a million years worth of data in like five minutes. Um, what's, what's the thing on AI? So, so there's all these new things that the founding fathers never could have foreseen. And we need to have a very serious conversation about those, um, before this is completely on top of us and we're completely stuck in a dystopian nightmare, right? Cause if we do the traditional we wait until it becomes a problem. Usually, like like with the seatbelts thing, for example, usually our government, 10 years after things start killing people and hurting people, then they finally get around to regulating it. If we do that in this case with these new technologies and with this emerging paradigm, there will be no more freedom. So we yeah. need to be proactive about this. Um, and and, and more, moreover, there, I, like, I would I would I would suggest that uh, not only do they take too long, but but usually the uh, because of the bureaucratic ossification and the processes, they always end up generally with the wrong solutions or solutions that are not best or optimal for what the problem is. Yep, that's another thing. So we have this insane, I call it like God level technology, right? Essentially technology that can simulate or can operate on what we would consider to be like a God level of power, right? With this AI and with this quantum computing stuff and with this direct uh, virtual telekinesis here. Um, we cannot trust the people. And I asked everybody out there, do you trust anyone in our Congress right now to be writing rules about that? Absolutely not. So that no. just shows us we need a regime change. Like I said, a peaceful one, not a violent one, but we need all of these corrupt dinosaurs washed out of here. And we need a new crop of people in here that's younger, that has their eye on the ball, that understands what this is and understands the threat that it poses to our freedoms. Well, let's run through, let's run through the quantum party's uh, essential basic tenets because I think very they're very exciting. And I'll be honest with you. Look, I, I grew up politically in Washington, D.C. I went to school in Washington. I love the the uh, the majesty of what are now monuments to what was what once was, which was our republic. And now, unfortunately, what we have is a unitary dictatorship uh, that's run by corporations, by the military industrial complex. And D.C. has become, as I've said, it's not it's not even a swamp as uh, Donald Trump would have it. It's a sewer. It really is. And it's it's a very opulent sewer, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but one of your ideas uh, touches on that. And why don't you just run through, uh, why don't we take it from the top? So uh, the, the top, top line level thing, reformat America, right? We have this unbelievably crushing debt burden. 
we have all this insane corruption and we have uh, been thwarted, right? When we go to try to do stuff with elections, we just get thwarted every time. Uh, so so how do we how do we get out of this? Um, first thing uh, we're suggesting is that there's this thing called the doctrine of discovery. So this was a thing part of the Treaty of Tortosia back in the 1500s, where the Pope essentially said, anybody on this side of the world, that that is claimable by these royals in Spain, and anybody on this side of the world, that's claimable in Portugal. And the reason this is relevant is because that initial claim, right, this said anywhere there's non-white people and non-Christians that you can go claim this, this doctrine of discovery is the foundational element of our government's claim over the land, people, and resources of the United States. And there's been many Supreme Court cases on this, like when the Indian tribes in the past tried to sue the government and say, you can't do that. The Supreme Court pointed back to, no, doctrine of discovery. We have that, So, so it's that basically right. like, like manifest destiny, essentially, to translate it uh, into yeah, our- it's, it's essentially the legal, right? If you think about, so the the Spain Spaniards come over here, they claim the land, right? This is the initial claim here. And then between the French and the British, right? That that claim as they take toward territory gets transferred to that. It's, it's kept out of register in the Vatican here. And then eventually that winds up with, okay, this claim is transferred into the United States government, the United States Corporation. And um, so that it's like a Jenga tower, right? That the government's claim, their legitimacy to be over us is, is built on. And the bottom block a few months ago, or actually probably six months ago now, was pulled out. The Vatican uh, nullified, repudiated that doctrine of discovery. So we're saying, hmm. push on that button. Um, and, and essentially transfer the, like create a new entity, like a new paper entity for the United States government, transfer our sovereign assets over there and put the existing one into a bankruptcy. Uh, and I tell the lefties that was the original, uh, for me personally, looking at someone like Trump, what is Trump's most uh, interesting value proposition here? His most interesting value proposition is his ability to do these massive corporate bankruptcies and to restructure our debt and to escape from this albatross that they've been putting onto our back, right? We have almost a trillion dollars in just interest alone. And that's set to yes. com completely accelerate, right? So we're in a point this year, and as you see that we have about $10 trillion worth of bonds that need to be refinanced this year. And a bunch of other countries that would normally buy those bonds, like China, like some of these other big players, um, they're looking at what we're doing with Russia, right? We're talking about essentially taking a bunch of Russia's assets in Europe and sending those to Ukraine. And when that happens, China and a bunch of these other countries are threatening to say, hey, we're going to fire sale your U.S. bonds here as you're trying to refinance this $10 trillion in debt. Right. Um, and as well, you the have all is, these other economic calamities coming on. Right. And we're, we're, you know, part of the problem, one of the benchmarks they've always talked about is that the when the GDP is, or the, excuse me, when the debt is larger than the GDP or exceeds or is equal to it, I mean, that's when you're underwater. That's when you're basically in the red where your debts are worth more than your assets on any given year based yearly annual basis. And and not to mention, you know, you got to love the, uh, the the Fed. Well, first of all, the fact that our entire currency is controlled by a, a private international bank, not even run necessarily by Americans. And the fact that they can just raise interest rates. I mean, going from what it was, I mean, obviously, low interest rates, artificially low, create uh create inflation, which we've seen. But at the same time, they when they raise the rates uh, by four or five points, roughly, or say over the course of uh, several years, we have to pay interest on that for, for this massive sprawling debt, which is unbelievable. I mean, at this point, the interest alone, uh, service, uh, servicing that debt alone is almost as much as the defense budget. 
So we've, you know, this is, these are, these are structural problems that, that I, I, it's almost, I almost question whether we can actually uh, ever solve it without collapsing our economy. Because let's face it, when a company, and you mentioned, it's funny, you said the U.S. is a corporation in very many ways. Yes, the government certainly is. And as you know, when, when a company collapses from uh, excessive debt and mismanagement, it's not pretty for the constituents. I mean, people lose their jobs, they lose their livelihoods, they lose their life savings. But uh, we'll we'll get back to this. Uh, we just have, have to take a little uh, news break here for a minute. Uh, you're watching the Tyler Nixon Show with uh, my guest, Austin Steinbart, on today's News Talk. Stay with us. Here's a little news flash. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. The House of Representatives voted against impeaching Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas with a close 216 to 214 vote over his handling of the border crisis. In the Nevada Republican primary, a significant majority of voters chose none of these candidates, dramatically outpacing former GOP presidential candidate Nikki Haley and others in the field. The Deputy Prime Minister of Italy, Matteo Salvini, has called on lawmakers to implement chemical castration for criminals. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome back to the Tyler Nixon Show with my guest, Austin Steinbart. We're going to jump right back into it. We're talking about uh, structural changes that the Quantum Party, which uh, Austin has founded, and, and don't you know, best not to think of it as a political party in the traditional sense. It's more of a uh, consortium, a gathering point, a rallying point for people who want to see uh, more than just superficial changes and to break free of the uniparty's death grip on this country, uh, where Republicans, Democrats, it's all the same, different, no, no, not a dime's worth of difference. Uh, they're spending us into oblivion. Uh, and they're pursuing agendas that are antithetical to the uh, prosperity and freedom of the American people. And this has got to change. And he has a, a very a, sort of a, a list of what I think are bold, visionary ideas, um, not least, which I'd like to actually just jump into, is moving the United States Capitol, the capital of this country. In other words, where Congress meets, where the uh, business of the federal government is done from the sewer, as I call it, Washington, D.C., to a central point in the country where, uh, it, you know, it's the same distance from all directions, roughly, um, or the same same, you know, center point so that so that we also uh have it be fair in terms of uh, we don't have any particular coast or a region that is weighted with uh, with this power center that has grown up. Um, and, and D.C. really is. I mean, it, it is it is obscene that city. Uh, what, what has happened to it. First of all, it, it has the worst crime problems you can imagine. Just the other day, uh, Mike Gill, who was a, an, a Trump administration official, was gunned down murdered in a carjacking which uh, which happened you know frequently there are sort of pop-up gangs roaming the streets and meanwhile this is the most uh, expensive city practically to live in the united states if not the world so uh, i'm gonna let austin roll out what what the proposal is and and like i said i loved washington dc at one time i went to school there i love the uh the history there but i think it's it's uh, outworn its usefulness and has become uh a problem for our country uh, just because it is truly a sewer filled with uh, special interests that is uh, this is they're betraying the country and the best interests of the people. So what do you what do you where, where should it be, Austin? Tell us. So the idea is we want it to be in a centralized location. And with that, we're suggesting Kansas, right, the geographic center of the United States. And a lot of people look at me kind of weird when I say that. Uh, but actually, a lot of Fortune 500 CEOs that I've been talking to agree. Um, 
having a centralized location, having the Congress people required to spend half the time in their home district and half the time at the Capitol. Um, Kansas also, right, if you look around, it's a very nice flat land there. It would send a very crystal clear message to all these politicians right now that, hey, you guys are in charge of fixing this country right here. You're not in charge of fixing Ukraine. You're not in charge of fixing Europe. You're not in charge of fixing Israel, the Middle East. You are in charge of this country right here. And I think nothing would send a more clear message for that than Kansas. Um, so if you think about this, we want to build a massive, like beautiful, uh, modern, functional capital in Kansas. Um, one that's complete with where, where when you're in Congress, you go there, you lock in, you have a like luxury kind of like hotel suite equivalent thing there. You have cafeterias on site. So when you're working on our behalf, when you're, when you're in session, you go in there, you sit in there and you don't come out until, until we're ready. Right? I'm thinking, so, yeah, it's like a congressional labor. Lavish. <laughs> yeah. A congressional labor camp, right? <laughs> Get these guys in there. Yeah, You're going to solve these problems. You got elected. Resort, right? No, absolutely. Look, make, make it comfortable for them, but you're, you're spot on because, and part of the problem is that, uh, you know, DC is, is, I mean, it, it gives them an artificial sense of their own majesty, whereas it's like you're here to represent us and work for us and we don't need you uh, dining out and, and acting like you're sort of part of this elite, super rich, whatever. We need you to be working people. Uh, and and this is such a great idea. It's like, like I said, not it's not gonna be uncomfortable for them, but they're not going to just go there and, you know, have lobbyists whining and dining them. And as you said, they're going to have to spend a certain amount of time in the district. And, and a certain amount of time uh, locked down, you know, there's going to be and none of this proxy voting like the Democrats brought in under the cover of COVID amongst their other outrages where, uh, you know, one Congress with the speaker, whoever the con one congressman, the majority leader could sit, sit and vote for six or eight people who are out, out uh, running around with who knows who doing who knows what um, and, and get these people working on it. And, uh, you know, and I, I think also the incentives, uh, didn't you mention that uh, they'll have pay incentives where, you know, if, if there's a deficit or if they don't meet certain uh certain financial absolutely. guidelines they don't get paid so absolutely so lobbyists banned categorically from the capitol right when they're in session when they're doing their thing all lobbyists banned if lobbyists want to meet with them they have to go find them in their home state right when they're in their home state for that half time so it's essentially like decentralizes k street and like defangs k street um right. you know, uh, one of the things that i think would be i was just going to say uh, it's starting to interrupt one of the proposals uh, i think is that how about this? You can't meet with a lobbyist that's not uh, filmed. In other words, broadcast. So there's going to be no none of these secretive meetings behind closed doors that the public has no access to. If you want to meet with a lobbyist, it'll be in a room that is broadcast. And if your constituents and anybody wants to see and hear what you're talking about, have at it. But I mean, that, that would be case, that make would their be. case to all of us. Right. Instead that's right. Amen. Um, the, the banking style pay. Right. So one of the things that's really making our Congress so corrupt right now is that it is very difficult if you think about it if you make like what one hundred eighty thousand dollars and you have to live in two places and one of those places is dc right they are very squeezed financially by that so um what this would do right when they're at the capital they don't have to pay for any more living right they're all they're living all their food when they're on site there is taken care of and then dramatically raising the pay of congress so that we can get much better people right that pe people kind of look at me weird when i say that but we could make this so much more competitive if we had banking style pay. So something along the lines of $600,000 a year, if and only if aggressive performance based benchmarks are met, right? So from a fiscal standpoint, it would cost us a few hundred million extra dollars a year, but it would save us trillions every year. And we would actually get very smart, capable, intelligent people that are motivated to be there. 
Uh, setting term limits, uh, we're, we're proposing 12 years, right? Because a lot of things we need in this country are things like IT projects, right? Where it takes time to figure out what you need. It takes time to pass laws to do that. And then it takes time to actually see that through to fruition. So, so 12 years is enough to get major projects done, um, but it's not long enough to make a career out of it. Right. Um, two, well, now, what about limits on the, see, I mean, look, it's great to limit the uh, elected leaders, but let's face it, it's the, the permanent bureaucracy that is much the problem and the courts. I mean, I, I mean, I personally believe that the Supreme Court should have, uh, all federal courts should have term limits. These lifetime appointments create monsters that sit in the judiciary for 30, 40 years and, and just absolutely wreak havoc because they have no accountability. Uh, is, have you thought about what what would be, well, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we get back, I'm going to ask Austin about what do we do about the permanent bureaucracy without disrupting the continuity of government? And uh, and we'll, we'll get through that. And you're watching the Tyler Nixon show on today's news talk. Don't go away. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the end of the week. So how about a little dose of Joe Biden at his best to get you through the weekend? Folks, um... Uh, I, uh, if I were smart, I'd say thank you and leave. There's asylum, off asylum officers and over 100 cutting edge inspe inspection machines to help detect and stop fentanyl coming out of our southwest border. Greedflation, shrinkflation. You see that article about the Snickers bar? Well, it's going to stop. America, we're tired of being played for suckers. We get thousands, look, we, we, you know, we now have, we used to, before the recession, before the, the pandemic, the beer brewed here, it is used to make the brew beer in this refinery. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why it's going Cost 10 bucks to make it. 10 bucks to make it. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the women on now, normally, this would be humorous, funny, you know? But this is a man who's president of the United States and looking for four more years on the job. It's frightening. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, right here on TNT. On a virtual road, you can test the limits of your driving ability to see how fast you can go under the most extreme conditions, like when it's dark, when the weather's bad, or when the unexpected happens. The higher the speed, the harder the impact. But driving isn't a game or a race. When you're on the road, just 10 miles per hour over the limit can mean the difference between life and death. You're responsible for people's lives and your own. Slow down and save lives. Tyler Nixon. Tyler Nixon on today's News Talk TNT. And we're back and you're watching the Tyler Nixon Show. Uh, where we light the fuse for freedom here on today's news talk with my guest Austin Steinbart, and uh, Austin is running through running through real quick the Quantum Party's uh, platform and and the proposals, uh, which are, to me are very exciting because let's face it, it and it would it's going to require a lot and it would require a lot to get these done, but they would fundamentally transform the United States government and the way we are represented and uh, uh, our democracy. Austin, um, you know, we sort of we, we were touching on uh, incumbent, well, term limits and that kind of thing, and and the permanent bureaucracy. So first, I you know t talk about the how we limit the permanent bureaucracy or how we sort of 
Uh, th this has been a problem that's plagued all the elected leaders, uh, including the president. I remember, you know, President Nixon even tried to embargo funds for projects that were allocated where these bureaucracies were out of control. Um, and uh, they, uh, you know, he was overturned, overruled on that. They said that, you know, once it's appropriated, that the president can't embargo funds uh, and, and, you know, withhold or sort of uh, uh, unilaterally, let's just say, allocate money the way they want. Um, you know, the line item veto never passed, unfortunately, uh, in the uh, 103rd, con 104th Congress, excuse me, in which I uh, worked for Newt Gingrich. One of the contract with America proposals was, of course, term limits and line item veto. Unfortunately, neither has passed. And we see the results years later with the uh, fiscal profligacy and the incumbency just out of control. You know, you have these fossils, people who date back to literally Jimmy Carter's era. era and, and there's no better example of this than Joe Biden. But how do we limit the permanent bureaucracy? Uh, and once we get through that, we're going to move on to uh, just a quick discussion of uh, uh, you know the larger picture of the military industrial complex, which is a, a unique part of that bureaucracy that has to be controlled and brought to heel. Yep. So, so term limits, as we discussed, right, not just for the elected officials, but for all the military leaders, the law enforcement leaders, and especially the deputy secretaries, right? A lot of people don't know. The secretary, the top line person who gets appointed there by the president, oftentimes that's just the figurehead. That's not who's actually pulling the strings here. A lot of times it's these deputy secretaries, the highest level you can go without being appointed, that are causing a bunch of problems for us. So having strict term limits on there. Another idea as we're rebuilding the government here, is we have, I, th I think there's what, 20, 22 cabinet members or something like that. Like there's all these departments, there's like 400 offices and agencies. So we wanna take AI and be like, all right, sort, like, like break this up, sort this into each function, right? We have um, like one anecdotal example would be like the Department of Interior and the Department of Agriculture, right? One has the National Forest Service, one has the National Park, like so, Having all these redundant features, right? Having AI recreate those into 12 cabinet departments, and that's it, right? Just completely restructure the whole thing of um, this This is the justice function, this is the military function, right? And, and reshaping that, because a big part of the issue with Washington, and one of the reasons that this bureaucratic game is so hard to beat, is because it's so complicated, and there's so many little loopholes and bells and friends of friends, right? So restructuring how the game works in general will um, eliminate their ability to do their little tricks that they've been figuring out for the last 30 or 40 years, right? It would it would make somebody who's coming into the game today no less uh, potent than somebody who's been doing this for 40 years and has a bunch of connections. Let's talk about so things like that. Right. One of the things, I mean, obviously you'd say, well, we were going to impose these controls over either, you know, cabinet members, bureaucrats, members of Congress. It's like, okay, so how do we go about that? Because let's face it, they they're in charge in, this, in you know in, in the truest sense. I mean, they control the levers. How do we how do we incrementally or uh, you know what is it going to take? I mean, I, I you know this this is where you, the conundrum. It's sort of how do you how do you stop the car to change the tire, fix the engine, you know, without uh, causing major major problems? And obviously, you've got uh, <laughs> just on top of the implementation issues, you've got these the people are going to resist till kingdom come and they hold all the power at this point and they hold the resources. How do we do that? I mean, how, how do we go about that? How's it, is it, is it just going to have to be something that's over over a long uh, time frame or no, uh, I think, or maybe I think we need a very a strong, a very strong president 
who's willing to be like the giant slayer here, like essentially willing to go to war to, to crush this up. And and Elon Musk gave us a perfect example, right? Twitter, he fired 80-something percent of the people, and it worked just fine. And our government would be the same way. A lot of that stuff, most of the government so is outdated, irrelevant, is actually like just harming us more than it's helping us. Um, we could roll over basic services, right? So all the things... Uh, social security, things like that. How many bureaucrats does it take to mail someone a check every month, right? You could write that into a piece of software. Uh, so we're yeah. big about the software-based government. Um, we want a system, and I've been talking to these crypto guys, right, where, like you said, where one person can take six other people's votes or they can do this Fed thing where, you know, they pass it on midnight on the day before Christmas. We need a system that when they vote in Congress, right, they have to they have to do it right. And if they don't do it right, then it doesn't become law. The software physically blocks them, right? You don't have a quorum here. You, this is not- Man, I like that right idea. I like not, that one a lot. It just physically <laughs> doesn't work, right? And that goes with the new, the updated constitution of like, listen, we're going to have this cold-hearted, ruthless computer here, and it will physically not let anything pass from Congress to the register over here, physically not let any money get allocated unless you do this right. Because- Again, they just they just do whatever they want and they just like shrug at us like, oh, well, right. So having something that physically you are not able to do that um, whatsoever. Right. So, so, uh, so I, I like this. President, I, right. And then having him paired with someone like a like a slay the past and a build the future, having having that kind of a duo here and then getting in there and just saying like, all right, 80 percent of you are dismissed like today doing exactly what Elon did. We could do that with our government and we would be just fine. Uh, no, I totally agree. And Javier Malay in uh, Argentina has has basically he's demonstrated the fact that you can fire all these you know scores of these people. I mean, literally, like you said, almost eighty percent of the bureaucracy, and it's not going to make a dime's worth of difference in terms of whether the country can function. In fact, probably relieves a lot of the pressures. Uh, look at the IRS alone. I mean, it is a travesty that we have the federal tax code as what it is this monstrous behemoth of exceptions and rules that no one person could possibly comprehend although a supercomputer could now i guess the question is you know we can't have a president who's a permanent dictator in a sense and who is you know implementing these systems they're gonna have to have a certain you have to put a lot of trust in them i guess it comes down to if everybody's transient the only thing permanent is the computer who is going to control this massive supercomputer that, that uh, handles everything. I mean, I, look, I'm just thinking out loud. I think if you were to get rid of do mass firings, like they're talking, like uh, uh, Malay has, has been doing, I think you see where the dust settles and see what you actually need. And I think we might find it's a lot more manageable than we ever thought. It's just that, you know, what what is the problem with managing all of it is, is the fact of all these people who complicate it and make it more sophisticated and complex than it needs to be and serve functions that, are sort of self self uh, you know self referential they don't they don't actually do anything except uh, service the government itself and it's and its interest or those who are in it their interest in perpetuating their their power centers so i, I don't i'm just thinking out loud but um who would how would we have an overarching um or sort of you know who's who's behind the computer who who are the technicians who are going to make sure that this thing isn't an authoritarian uh, you know, automaton and that, that it is cons consistent and, and as, uh, you know, that it's not taken over by a dictator or becomes a dictator. That would be fall into the purview in this vision of the United States Space Force. Right now, the Space Force, like the Air Force won't let it go. It's kind of we're in this like 1946 moment with the Army and the Army Air Force, right? They did hmm. not want to let the Air Force go. The Army was like clinging to this. And finally, we just said, no, 
this is what we need. You're, we're going to put you in your place. We're going to make this Air Force an independent entity. Um, so we need that same sort of thing with the Space Force. The Space Force needs to be an independent entity, right? Um, the fun, the, its interests are with space and with cyber, right? So well, it's not just but in, like independent space, of who, but though. Independent of who, though? Independent of the Air Force, of the Department of the Air Force. Okay, it needs to be gotcha. like a Department of the Space Force, True. right? And all all of the branches of the military right now they have huge vested interests in going and stirring up problems for us all around the world. So having an elite, preeminent branch of the military that their core like function is not going and starting stuff. It's protecting it's cyber and space, right? Um, that will be a huge. And then having in house people that know what they're doing right now a lot of times our government we just farm everything out to all these companies right and then we end up not knowing exactly who we're doing with the huge cost overruns we need to fork over right we need to have a civilian wing of the space force um put together a civilian wing and have that be funded well enough for us to go get to go pay for the most elite cyber ninjas out there right because right now our cyber command sucks because if you think about it, right, why would I want to go, if I'm a talented computer programmer, why would I want to go do all this, jump through hoops with basic training, have all these rules, not be able to smoke weed? Uh, it's a little <laughs> known secret that everybody who's the best hackers in the world smokes weed. It's just a fact. You can ask that uh, guy no, about I, that. They actually, not, they actually relax not gonna dispute. Their, yeah. their marijuana standards for um, their, their cyber people. But having people in-house, right? If you can't compete, if you're paying like $90,000 to your Space Force people and Silicon Valley is paying like 2 million, right? How are you ever gonna get the best people? We need to have a situation, right? Where this this branch of the military, it it is has a core directive of, of science, space and protecting cyberspace. It's not, it has fundamentally different interests than the rest of this military here. Um, and that would be a huge check and balance, even not just on the government, but on the rest of the military and have the software built through there, right? Having um, hard set programming. Um, and this is what I tell you about AI, right? We don't, the, the reason that AI is scary is because the people programming it want there to be way less people on earth and want there yeah. to be all this crazy stuff. So, so we don't, it won't be something so much to fear if we have the right people programming it that aren't completely out of their minds and aren't complete psychos, you know? No, absolutely. Um, I, I think so, also so as far as the, dictator strongman concern right i agree with you right what needs to happen as far as like a clean like sweep out we need to have this like kind of i would, I would say a strong strongman president um and and a build the future uh pairing up here right so this person gets in there they sweep this out they put us through the bankruptcy they they essentially set the stage here um uh, as the as the person they're paired with is is building is getting this ready and then they step down and they do a handover, right? So that way, as we're doing this clean sweep here, that people aren't worried about, uh, you know, a dictator takeover, right? You can't be the last president of the old country and the first president of the new country. It has to be two separate right, people. Right. But we can well, easily work that out. Sure, but let me, okay, so this kind of begs an interesting uh, sort of current day example, which is uh, Donald Trump obviously is gonna be the Republican nominee and hopefully the president, but Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, he sounds like sort of the visionary that you're talking about, the generational change agent. But I, I'm curious, what do you think of uh, Vivek? I think very, very highly of Vivek. I think if this was a normal situation, that Vivek would be the um, choice hands down. I think he's leaps and bounds ahead of a lot of the other people. I don't necessarily hold it against him that he had a, you know, 
he had some things people are concerned about in his past. And then as like he went around, Obama as support. he's talking to the <laughs> grassroots base, right? Then he right. learns the new information and he updates his opinion, right? So people are like, oh, what a flip-flop or whatever, whatever. But in my mind, I think, okay, if you're doing, if you're a smart person and you were doing some stupid stuff, and then now you're being exposed to, hey, this is how that was wrong, and you're updating your opinion, like we should want politicians like that, right? We should want people who are not just impervious to the facts, people that are going to follow the evidence wherever it leads, and take strong opinions accordingly. Um, well, you I know, the, think, uh, I think we need somebody flip- more technical than Vivek to be okay. right, because essentially building this new country is like a giant software project. Right. If we if we want to build the foundation of it right, it's like a giant. So so somebody that is deeply immersed in like how decentralized uh, software systems work, right, with blockchains and stuff, because that's how you would build you you build it. It's called a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization. Uh, but just having Congress be a DAO where you have to come in, you have your private key, right, and so you have to as the Congress people, the the software facilitates this. And, and it does not let you do, it does physically blocks you if you're doing anything that's unconstitutional or if you're just trying to end run around the rules. Um, so we need, we need someone who can build that uh, and can make that happen. And so I, I think uh, Vivek would be a good president after that, right? After that changeover there. Um, I don't know that he's necessarily the guy to be doing the changeover itself. Okay, there might not be a guy because I mean, obviously, you're talking a very tall order, someone who can balance not only has the technical expertise, but the political skills to navigate the endless potholes and uh, and, and landmines that are going to be in the path of some this sort of radical changeover. And, you know, I mean, look, I, I think your vision, it's it's almost utopian in the sense it would be great if we could implement it. And, and I hope we can someday and that, that we can at least get down that path. Um, but for now, I think we're going to try to avoid thermonuclear apocalypse and total financial collapse. Um, you know, we have everything aimed at, everybody's aiming at the United States. What do you think real quick of, uh, Tucker Carlson's, uh, going over and meeting with Putin? I mean, is he painted a target on his back? Is he potentially going to be a target of assassination now? Just to sh- radically uh, shift he's, gears. He's, he's been painting targets on his back this whole time, but this obviously is a right. significant escalation. And and I would argue that nothing can stop the financial collapse. Like that financial collapse is happening either way. And that's why we need to take advantage of this opportunity and this unique pieces on the board and people that we have, personalities, to be managing this financial collapse. But he's I, I was he's going over there, right? And imagine he does this interview, right? Putin from the get-go, his thing was, hey. You've been encroaching on us since the 90s, despite saying that you're not. And his offer from day one of that war was, you give me Donetsk, you give me Luhansk, you give me Crimea, and you keep them out of NATO, and this will be over tomorrow. And they said no. And I think if most Americans, if they just put a map up and you saw how tiny these pieces of Ukraine that that Vladimir Putin wanted, and you see that it was just no NATO and these tiny pieces of Russian-speaking areas that have voted to the tune of 90% to be part of Russia... Uh, That's right. Then, then uh, I think it would be a game changer, right? People would realize, oh man, this has been this offer has been on the table the entire time, right? This this we've been feeding all these people into the meat grinder when when this easy solution has been here punching us in the face. There's no question that uh, you know, and, and I think the United States and you probably agree has betrayed what we've promised to Putin and to the Russians in terms of encroachment, and they have every right to, I think, uh, want to guard their 
their Western flank as much as possible. So uh, listen, Austin, we're going to have you back again next week uh, or, or, or sooner than later because uh, we had a video issue. But uh, I appreciate your coming on. My guest, Austin Steinbart, you're watching The Tyler Nixon Show. This has been uh, a great conversation for February 7th, 2024. And we look forward to, uh, to seeing you again tomorrow. <laughs>